0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy. I'm back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a special quick take episode of the pod where for about 20 or 25 minutes, we feature an RSP member who will speak at Retail Now 2023. If you're not familiar with Retail Now, it's the Retail IT channel's number one trade show, education conference, and networking event, scheduled for July 30th through August 1st at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando. Retail Now will feature five education tracks and more than 20 education sessions, including one we'll discuss today, why PayFAC as a service, the benefits of PayFAC as a service business model for ISVs and VARs. And our special guest to discuss his presentation and a few other topics is Blake Rouse. He's the Senior Director of Business Development at Payments Provider and RSPA member Cardnox. Blake, welcome to The Trusted Advisor. Thank you for having me, Jim. No, always good to talk with you. And full disclosure for our audience, Blake and I were colleagues uh, back at what was Vantiv and then became WorldPay between 2016 and 2019. You were there for about five and a half years. I was there for about three years and i don't know if you remember when we met you're from georgia i'm from pennsylvania and we met in durango colorado um yeah i
1: yeah day one i think you were probably the third person i met in the office that day
0: got it yes and the the durango office so i don't know you, you were in did you visit that office very often or was it just an occasional thing it was just
1: an occasional thing, but always a pleasure. It was just, I mean, that office had you know fantastic uh, views, and obviously the uh, food, the culture, everything about Durango was fantastic. So, didn't get there nearly as often as I like to.
0: Yeah, it was, I always called it like the most unfair office in the world. We went through, you're like, oh my gosh, my coworkers, it was like almost embedded in the mountain. It had a trail outside of it. It was just phenomenal. I actually, because we were getting together today, I was like, whatever happened to that building, it was sold a couple of years ago for $9 million. That was way below its assessment value, which is like 15 million. But then that person held onto it for two years and earlier this year sold it for 18 million to some healthcare wow. company. I know it. Like. <laughs>
1: You know that's We're- funny. I hadn't kept up with that, but that's a that's quite the investment. Jeez.
0: Yeah, we're talking about, so Payfac, you can make a lot of money. Obviously, grabbing some space uh, there as well, a beautiful building like that, turn around eight, $9 million, doubling it uh, in two years is, is quite a way to go. So, all right, well, let's focus on Payfac. And so I'm super interested to talk to you because the Payfac business model, there's a lot of mystery about it for folks who aren't really steeped in it from a, a payment standpoint. So for those who are new to the term, they're saying, Payfac, what is that? So it's short for payment facilitator. And so that's not helping either. Someone's like, oh, payments facilitator. I get it, right? But I think like the first sentence of the description for your Retail Now education session is going to help point ISVs and VARs in the right direction to better understand PayFAX. and that's really what we're going to focus on today, breaking that down. So the description says by teaming up with a payments partner who can help bypass the traditional application process, ISVs and VARs can stand to gain all the benefits that come from the traditional payment facilitator solution without risky startup investment so again let's take through each of those segments the first one being bypassing traditional the traditional application process talk about that and how that's part of the payfac business model
1: yeah absolutely so i mean obviously i'm a big fan of the payfac model and particularly the managed payfac or payfac as a service you'll hear both those terms kind of thrown around within this industry. But the reason we have these models is because of the, the broken process that we had of the past, right? The traditional application process is one that's cumbersome, it's slow, it's frustrating. And at the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily produce the best results for anybody. Uh, historically, what happens when a VAR or an ISV has a merchant to refer for payments, uh, what they do is they typically start out by sending some type of email to that payment partner, or perhaps they set up an introductory phone call, which may take some time to get scheduled. And ultimately, they do that handoff, and then the payment partner goes and asks for statements. They ask the merchant, can I have two or three recent months' statements to see what your processing looks like so I can put together a proposal, right? And so this just this initial introduction can take sometimes days or even a week or two, just depending on everybody's timeline, right? Uh, And we have people who are partners who are doing this right now today. In fact, I, I just spoke to a partner who's going through this exact process. They set up the introduction, and now two weeks later, that initial conversation still hasn't happened. Once that conversation happens, you ask for statements, then you review the statements, then you build a custom proposal where pricing makes sense, hopefully, for that merchant. You offer them better rates than they have today, and hopefully, ultimately, they end up signing that application and agreeing to move forward And then that's just the first half of the process the back half can sometimes be frustrating confusing there's this mysterious underwriting group that may involve several different organizations who are looking at this application it takes time it's confusing they ask weird questions like why well can you provide a copy of your bank statement as well or tell me about how you're handling this issue in your business or or whatever it may be right or sometimes it's just the application was filled out incorrectly and there's a, a legal name that doesn't match a dba or something like that and it slows the whole process down So what could be a very quick process can sometimes take a month or more to get a typical merchant onboarded and approved, and then they have to go through the actual startup process, right? They have to get set up by the partner to do transaction processing. They have to then do that first transaction, and they're hoping they're getting better rates, as they were told, but then on the back end, there's Hidden fees, monthly fees they weren't thinking about, annual assessments, and, and, of course, what we're all familiar with in this business, the annual rate hikes that so many companies are fond of, which ultimately just makes the merchant very frustrated, right? Customer satisfaction in the payments world is very, very low typically when working directly with a processor because of all those things that we just talked about. It's confusing. It's ambiguous. It takes a long time. They don't know who to talk to when there's a problem. And so everybody gets frustrated. And then the ISV and the VAR get frustrated as well because now they've got their customers complaining about this other group that they've introduced them to. And they're just looking for a better solution, and they're not necessarily making as much money as they want on the process. So it's an old system that's been around for a long time, but it's a broken process that needs improvement.
0: And then, how does the PayFAC bypass it uh, in those terms? Again, we're going to dive into you know a little bit more uh, with that, but talk about the bypassing. What's the difference between that with traditional?
1: Yeah, so there's two different models in the Payfac world. There's the true full payment facilitator model, and then there's that managed Payfac model we talked about before, Payfac as a service. In the true Payfac model, a software company, typically a very large software company with a lot of customers, becomes that payment processor by working through other parties, right? And there's a whole system that they set up to be able to do all of that, but once they do that, they're able to onboard their merchants very quickly. They don't have to involve a third party. There's typically not the custom proposals and pricing. And then that approval process once the application is completed is typically near instantaneous, within a half hour or less for most parties unless there's some type of, you know, red flag that pops up. That's in the full payfact model, in the managed payfact model, an ISV or a VAR Oftentimes, much smaller companies or even just individuals can take on a portion of that onboarding process by helping the merchant get the application completed. But they've already been approved on the front end so that when their merchant completes the application, they still get that near instantaneous approval. So the time from application to that first transaction can be much, much shorter, which means that the merchant's happier because their new point of sale system gets started much quicker the partner's happier because they get to move on to that next customer and help them out as well. And the time to revenue is much shorter for them.
0: Got it. Great. And that's so that's the next segment of that uh, intro I wanted to talk about where it says, you know, gain all the benefits that come with the traditional payment facilitator solution. But I, I understand there are more benefits beyond, you know, just a time saving. Uh, is that correct? Can you talk about that from a VAR and ISV standpoint? What are the other benefits as opposed, you know, outside of a streamlined system that you were describing?
1: Yeah, I mean, so obviously there's the financial incentives uh, for the VAR. Uh, whether we're talking about a traditional revenue share merit model or a VAR that's become like an agent for a processor as well, where they're filling out their own applications, but still going through that traditional underwriting process with the third party, there can be varying degrees of revenue potential uh, for that opportunity, which is why VARs and ISVs are in the payments world and to begin with, right? It's not just to streamline the process for the merchants, but it's ultimately to make more money as well. And so when we talk about a traditional referral relationship, those can make 25 to 35 basis points on the total transaction volume that a merchant's doing, which can be good for for very minimal work, but but not necessarily game-changing, right? That's not going to be an income stream all on its own for a lot of companies. That's just complimentary. When we talk about moving to like an ISO or agent model, they can pick up more revenue potential, but there's a lot of cost and and workload that goes with that because of that traditional underwriting process. So by moving to that managed payback model, they can pick up significantly more income, streamline the onboarding process for the merchant, really eliminate that third priority processor from the merchant's uh, view, right? They really disappear into the background in the payback model. So it's really about you and your brand with your customers and you're streamlining, streamlining that onboarding process. And in the end, you can make significantly more money uh, just by cutting out that third party seller who has to be compensated as well. There's probably another 15 to 20% right there or more, depending on what all you're able to take on as that pay So by doing that, you can often make quite a bit more. We have some partners that are of varying sizes, right? We work with very large portfolio companies that own multiple software companies. Uh, all the way down to individual vars that are just a single individual in their company who are still taking on this managed payfac program and making a lot more money you know in some cases we're seeing partners make 70 80 even 100 basis points or more on total transaction volume versus that 25 to 35 basis points so if you have one customer who's doing a million dollars a year that could be in, in transactions which is not a very large merchant necessarily in the retail world right that could be a small liquor store mm-hmm. that merchant could generate an extra $5,000. If you do, if you board one of those every month, just as an individual, that's an extra 60 grand a year.
0: Got it, so I'm guessing VARs and ISVs who are listening to this now are going like, wow, a streamlined process, I can make potentially quadruple what I am from a payment standpoint. But again, in the intro, you know, for your session at Retail Now, it says without the risky startup investment. So first, what level of investment are you referring to? And then also, I, I read you wrote an article that's on the RSP website that refers to multi-million dollar upfront investments to build the necessary infrastructure. Can you talk about the investments and the risks and the burden that goes on to the VAR and ISV if they do this payfac or payfac as a service model?
1: So historically to become a full-fledged pay fact, the requirements were very stringent you have quite a bit of staffing uplift that you have to have from the risk and underwriting team sales team you have to have just uh, security and i.t professionals who manage your systems you have to manage relationships with your third-party partners whether that's the bank cards the card or the card brands various banks that you work with uh, technology gateway companies that you have to use for the the back-end support for your systems right you have all these different relationships you have to form. You have infrastructure investments. You have to manage now security and fraud in a way that you've probably never thought about it in the context of your traditional business. So you have to bring in people who know how to do these things to to improve your skill set there as an organization. And so it's a big uplift. It goes from being you know one person who hands off a referral in that traditional model to now you've got a whole team of people managing this pay fact for you. And, and the uplift can be significant. You've got the cost of those things, but just the ongoing cost of managing a team can be very significant, millions of dollars a year in some cases, when you start talking about the total cost for a full-time employee, uh, especially someone who's highly skilled like this in these different areas. So the uplift is a lot. You know, I've heard different organizations tell different numbers, but to become a full-fledged PayFAC, I've heard anywhere from $500 million to $2 billion in annual transaction volume before it makes (laughs) sense to justify, before the revenue opportunity makes sense to justify the cost. So if you don't have $500 million at minimum, but maybe billions of dollars in transaction volume, The juice just isn't worth the squeeze to become a full-fledged PayFact. And most companies know this, and so they think, ah, that's great. I'd love to be a PayFact one day, but the reality is I'm not there yet. Well, that's not really true anymore. In the managed PayFact model, a lot of that uplift is done by groups like us. And so what we do is we take on all of that underwriting for you. We have an application system set up and ready to go. We do a lot of that heavy lift so that you can start really just by getting approved to be a PayFact essentially making sure that your customers are who we think they're going to be. We understand what their model looks like. We understand that the risk is relatively low for their business, eliminating bad actors and things like that. Once you go through that initial approval process, you can start becoming a pay fact. You can become a pay fact really in just a manual model by just managing the application yourself for the merchants. So it allows even just an individual who doesn't have that whole team to support them and doesn't have all the infrastructure investments behind them. To start as a payback right away without that multi million dollar investment to get going. And it's certainly much quicker than having to build those systems yourself, having to establish those relationships, all of those things that can take 18 to 24 months or more sometimes.
0: Yeah, and so uh, thank you for that. And it makes me think of a few things, and you can tell me if these analogies are accurate or not. So one, a former colleague of ours, Tom Reichert, who is at Mercury, you know, Vant of World Pay, RSPA, uh, Hall of Famer, um, he would say, uh, when he described the PayFAC model, everyone wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there, right? Because they wanted those, you know, the the triple, the quadruple, uh, their uh, payment revenue stream, but they didn't want to take on all this burden. And then the analogy that I used in that traditional model Model. And so, again, feel free to laugh at both Tom's and mine's. But um, again, trying to make it uh, clear to our to our listeners, it was I always said it was like a daycare center saying, man, we're getting good revenue, you know, from these kids who come in. I wonder what we could do. Oh, you know what, why don't we uh, have a place where uh, people uh, people give birth, right? And so we would have, you know, uh, b- put on that, whatever, you know, and so so pre-nursery, it's where we're gonna have, you know, somebody who comes on board uh, and does it that way. So that's almost like setting up a, a maternity ward uh, in a hospital, it'd be a great revenue stream, but then you gotta hire doctors and nurses and all the technology and all the risk and things of that nature. So I'm sure that analogy breaks down somewhere, but it sounds like what you're saying is, no, you know, th- you don't have to bring all that on board you can still have other people take care of that but still get pretty good margins so again i'm sure that analogy breaks down somewhere maybe at the start Uh, but what's your take on on that in terms of is that essentially what payfac as a service is um, that you're able to still realize pretty close to the revenue but not take on that risk and burden
1: no i think that's great actually I, i've heard tom's analogy before but i like yours even better that's uh that's exactly it there are so many skill sets you don't have as the daycare provider right you're not that doctor you don't know how to how to run a hospital and so the uplift to do those things is just too much uh, for most organizations and certainly for most bars who are who are typically individuals running businesses out of their homes or maybe a small office place that's not something that's achievable for them and not reasonable for them to try to do that would take them away from their core business right the managed payback model allows them to really focus on their core business, but add this complementary portion of it that can be very,
0: very lucrative. Got it. Great. Well, we're going to pause here for a moment to let our listeners and viewers know about the Retail Solution Providers Association. Uh, first, we're going to thank our sponsors who support the artist pay community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsors, Blue Star. Our gold sponsors are Cocard, Heartland Source, and Star Micronics. To receive the benefits of an RSP membership or RSPA sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. Also, we want to give you a reminder. Again, we mentioned Blake's going to be speaking at Retail Now. Retail Now is a Retail IT Channel's number one trade show, education conference, and networking event, July 30th through August 1st at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando. Uh, go to go RSP.org forward slash retail now to learn all about the event register and make sure you get a hotel room too. the hotel block sells out every single year. Retail now is where the industry meets. So um, in my plan questions, Blake, I had I wanted to ask you about, you know, you know, it says about unlocking additional revenue stream through the payment uh, through payment processing and being a payfac. Is there anything you would add outside of what we talked about in terms of you know instead of 25 to 30 basis points, we could be talking 70, 80, you know, even 100 at that. Anything else you want to talk about from a revenue, just so our listeners really understand what a huge opportunity this could be for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, the cost of of any transaction really depends on on the market in which it's happening, right? So, we all know that there are different costs for every transaction that a consumer does, whether it's at a doctor's office or a grocery store or a liquor store or or a hotel. Uh, So, there's going to be some variance, obviously, but… By taking on more of this application and an uh, initial initial interaction with the merchant, and having to being able to offload that from the processor, there's just really a lot of opportunity for more revenue uh, for the VAR uh, in particular. And I think that's really where the market's going. Um, we're seeing that most software companies now understand the value of the payment facilitation model. And in particular, they aspire to one day be a payfac. And we're talking almost every day. We talk to new companies who say, hey, we want to get there. And we understand that there's this in-between model that's called payfac as a service. And we think that that's the right play for us. Uh, What we're now really seeing, though, is also that lower market, that smaller group that says, hey, I'm a startup and I'm ready to tackle this today because I think that there's big opportunity by setting myself up for the right things in the future. Uh, In that market, what we're seeing is that people are saying, I want to be a full-fledged payfac one day. I'm not there yet. I want to be on the right track now. So I want to make sure I pick the right partner to help me go from where I'm at today to where I want to be in the future versus saying, I'll do one model now, a whole different model later. Uh, And then we're also seeing a lot of adoption in that small market space. It's how do the smaller VARs, the individuals even, uh, take on this model as well, and what's the opportunity for them?
0: Yeah, that's the thing that surprised me from learning from what you uh, are are talking about today is I remember it was the most sophisticated ISVs were going down the payback path. But, you know, small ISVs, VARs, you know, you'd have to be huge in order to really consider that. But you're talking about this model now can even be adopted by, I'm not saying a one person operation, but it, like how small a VAR could potentially take advantage of this? Like how sophisticated they have to be? How many resources do they have to have in order to to pursue the payback as a service?
1: Yeah, I mean, we have resellers, just individual resellers that we work with who are out there working with merchants directly one-on-one as an individual, and they're working in the payback model today. So they've taken on more of that application process, more of the sales process with the merchant, and in exchange, they're capturing a lot more revenue for it. So it Badness. can be just a, an individual, uh, especially when, especially in the retail world where everybody understands so much of who the customers are. You know, Retail is not the market that is fraught with the high risk of fraud uh, that we see mm-hmm. in some verticals. There's other businesses where it's a little bit more questionable to work with smaller entities because of the potential for fraud, not because of those entity, those individuals, but because of the customers they work with, the unknowns that come with that business. We don't have that in the retail world. In the retail world, we're typically talking about brick and mortar, possibly within, probably with a uh, e-com website as some type of complimentary sales channel, but a large portion of their transactions are card present transactions. The consumer is face-to-face with a cashier or somebody in a, in a store, and they're doing a transaction where we can know that this transaction is really for this set of goods, and there's very little risk of chargebacks, fraud, things like that. So it's a great opportunity in the retail space, especially all the way down to the individual level.
0: Great. I have just two uh, last questions for you. But was one, I'll just combine a couple of questions into one. Can you talk about the forecast for the Payfac model for the retail IT channel from your perspective? Like, how pervasive is it today? Is it like 1% of ours and ISVs are embracing it, or is it 10%? And then how pervasive do you think it's going to be five years from now? Can you gaze into your crystal ball and, uh, and share with us your perspective?
1: Yeah, so I'd say w- what's really been telling – uh, is the change over the past couple of years. Uh, you know, two years ago, I would say that probably 25% of the conversations I had with software companies were about how they can look at the payback model and what would make sense for them. Today, uh, I'd say it's probably closer to 80 or 90% of the conversations I have. And in fact, the, the rarity is now the conversation where we say maybe the payback model doesn't make sense for you for, for whatever reason, right? A very a diverse set of customers where there's not a one size fits all or many or one size fits most type of model. Uh, now it's it's probably more like 80 to 90 percent of those conversations with software companies are around what PayFact model makes sense for them. And, and I say what model? because even within Cardnox, there's not just one PayFact model, right? There are varying ways that we can onboard merchants depending on what makes sense for that software company. There's varying ways we can work with the VAR or ISV in terms of how we handle customer interactions. So it's all about building a program that really makes sense for your business, uh, even with the, even once you select the partner that's right for you. When we talk about individuals, though, in the VAR space, that's where I really see the the huge potential uplift in the PayFact model um, as it becomes clear that it's not this scary, not this expensive investment, not this cumbersome process to add into what you're already doing today, that it's actually something that could be very complementary to what you're already doing today since you do have those relationships with your merchants. That's where I really see huge growth potential, especially in the retail space. And I think by and large, what we're going to see is that the traditional referral model is really going to become the rarity going forward. Uh, I think in the next five years that most even individual VARs are going to say that the payback model is probably the one that makes sense for them wow. once they find the right partner.
0: Wow. That's incredible. Again, you know, five years ago where we saw this and like, what was Payfac? What does it mean? And um, that it could be so widely adopted. The thing that I find encouraging is it's not that VARs and ISVs have to be the first to do it, right? The path has already been cut through the jungle or the forest, right? And so they mostly have to follow that path and then bring their organization along. It's not like VARs and ISVs will be the first uh, to do it. So, all right, well, we want to keep this a quick take podcast. So what's your final word Uh, Blake, do you want to share with our listeners about Payfac, Payfac as a service before they see you again at retail now in Orlando?
1: Yeah, I would say the number one thing is to just explore the possibilities. Uh, Whatever you're doing today, I am confident that there have been hurdles or headaches that you've experienced with payment partners in the past, uh, many of which can be eliminated with the Payfac model. So at least ask the questions and explore the possibilities.
0: Yeah, this reminds me of some degree of uh, cellular uh, backup failover where um and then not to plug in r s p member, but it's just the reality of it is folks had to deal directly with the you know the the cellular carriers, and it was super complicated and like, how do we do this? well then uh, vendors came in an example is w t i wireless as an r s p a member, and they are really doing you know cellular backup as a service uh, to a degree, and it's so much easier, and the adoption rate has gone up. Uh, significantly. That kind of what it sounds like is what docs and other payment companies are doing. They're lowering the barrier to entry for VARs and ISVs, if I'm understanding that correctly, Blake.
1: Absolutely. We're certainly not alone in this space, but one of the things we're continuing to do on a weekly basis now is iterate and improve on our platform. And as that platform uh, has more flexibility and more capabilities for the VAR. Or the ISV, it gives you more options in how you run your business as a payment pro- as the now the payment provider to your merchants and so the more iterative advances there are the more it's just going to open up opportunities and lower that bar that you're talking about so that anybody can really take on the PayFAC model
0: yeah that's super interesting well that does it for this episode of the trusted advisor we hope you enjoyed our discussion if you did be sure to subscribe to the rsp youtube channel and the trusted advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. And be sure to register for Retail Now 2023. Again, those dates are July 30th through August 1st at the Gaylord Palms in Orlando. We're going to feature several great education sessions, including Why Payfac as a Service, Benefits of the Payfac as a Service Business Model for VARs and ISVs. For all the details about Retail Now, visit the show website at gorspa.org forward slash retail now. Before we go, big thanks again to Blake for sharing his wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSPA Director of Marketing, Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the retail IT ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye everybody.